welcome to the How Not to Screw Up Your Kids podcast. So, pour yourself a cuppa, find a comfy seat and enjoy the conversation. This is episode 39 and in this episode I want to tackle the complex subject of how do we have conversations with our children about scary world events. Now, if you're listening to this episode in March, February, March 2022, you may find this relevant for explaining to your children about what's happening with Ukraine and Russia. However, the advice I am going to give is relevant across a number of issues, whether it's climate change, wars, riots, unrest or widely publicised prosecutions. Anything which bursts our children's bubble of the world being an inherently good and safe place this podcast will help. So I'm going to tackle this by giving some context first, because I think that's really important. Then I think it's really important, I start with the things that we should be mindful of doing before we even move on to my usual top five tips to tackle these difficult subjects. And being able to tackle it in a way which, I don't know, feels positive, given the challenging subject that we're going to be talking about, but it feels positive for you and for your child. So let's start with a bit of context because I think this is really important. So there are going to be times when the world will feel a really scary place for our children and our teens. Living in a digital era where global information is literally at our fingertips has opened up the world to us. You know, we know so much about so much of the world because of this, but it has also brought with it rolling news when disasters and wars strike. So we must be really aware of this background context whenever something happens in the world. And I say this because if we don't answer our children and our teens questions, or we don't seek to have those conversations with them in advance and in good time, they'll simply search for their own answers because they've got these at their fingertips, they can Google, they can check things, and the information that they get won't always be evidence-based truths. So let's, I just want you to be thought, to sort of think about this and have that context in your mind constantly when these sort of situations arise, because the world is ever-changing. Things come up all of the time. Sometimes things come up and they don't become anything more. Sometimes they come up and they then escalate so it's being mindful of when we have scenarios where our children feel that their bubble of the world being an inherently safe space is likely to be burst then we need to be having these conversations so let's be mindful I want to talk through three things that we need to be mindful of before I move on to our do's what are the things that we should be doing about having some of those actual conversations so the first thing I need, you know, I really strongly believe that we need to be mindful of is ignoring the situation or assuming that as your child or your teen hasn't mentioned it, that they're not worried. And this sits very much from the viewpoint of assuming because our children haven't actually mentioned something that they're not worried at all. Now, some children, when they worry, they do the obvious thing. They say, I'm really worried about, I've heard this, I've read that, I don't understand this, I'm really nervous about what happens if something happens, etc. They go through this kind of, the very obvious, right, I'm clearly a child who's worried and I'm asking you as my parents some questions and I'm looking to you for reassurance. However, there are lots of children who do not communicate their worries and anxieties, either in any way at all or in any obvious way. 
So instead, their anxieties or their worries may show in their behaviour. So we might see them, I don't know, they might become more challenging with their behaviour. They may struggle to manage those bigger emotions. Maybe they might cry a lot or they get angry particularly quickly. Or maybe they have difficulties falling asleep at night or they'll complain of a tummy ache. We have to be mindful and remember that not all children will declare I'm worried about X, Y or Z. So we must therefore be mindful not to ignore the situation, but actively seek out opportunities to have those conversations with our children. And I know that this can be a really difficult one because we're not always sure whether a situation which is in the breaking world news is actually going to become anything else. But it is really important that if when it's widely publicised that we need to be having those conversations before our children have even declared that it's something that they're worried about. The second thing we need to be mindful of is that children pick up on other people's concerns. Yours, their friends, their teachers, the bus drivers and so on and so on. So we need to be mindful that other people's emotions and others' concerns might then begin to affect our children. So it could be anyone, depending on the context in which your child finds themselves. You know, I've given examples of friends and teachers and bus drivers, but you just think of what your child does and your teen does and the situations and the scenarios they find themselves in, the social situations they're in, how they spend their spare time. And this is where they are likely to pick up on some of these concerns. Because what we tend to do as parents, and I'm just as guilty as others, is we tend to think of our children within the bubble of our home. Yet remember, our children don't just access information within the bubble of their home. They have friends and those friends have access to information which they may then share verbally within in the playground or when they're talking or it might be on digital devices when they're messaging. And now children are actively going to be asking questions and they're going to pick up on the emotions of others. Our children don't grow up in a vacuum because of the measures that we've put in place at our home. Our children will be exposed to the way other children, other families and other people are managing the exact same situation. This is not a blame game. It's not a finger pointing. It's just reality. Our children grow up as part of a wider community, which goes back to the context that I said before and the background I referenced earlier about this idea that our children live within a global community in lots of ways so if we don't have these conversations with our children they are going to get the information from somewhere else and this information will not necessarily have our your considered development appropriate bespoke and tailored to your specific child slant and communication style so we need to make sure that we look at that because whilst we might create a really nurturing environment where we talk about a lot of the things that are happening within the world and we can have those conversations at home and we feel that within our home we've managed some of those big emotions so that our children are not feeling scared or nervous they are then going to be in contact with friends and others who will then have anxieties that may well trigger our children so we need to be mindful of that So, so far I've talked to you about being mindful of ignoring the situation or assuming that because our children haven't mentioned it, that they're not worried. And then the second one is about being mindful that children pick up on other people's concerns. The third thing that we need to be mindful of is dismissing our children's concerns as a way of reassuring them. Now, this third and final consideration we should be mindful of 
is a really important one. And the reason why is, and I say this with love, is that it's not that we actively dismiss our children's concerns because we think they're trivial or we might publicly laugh, mock or belittle their worries. What happens instead is our instincts kick in before we even realise what we're doing. Our child tells us that they're worried about the war, climate change, storms, etc. Whatever it might be, they may be worried that they're going to die or that they've read about nuclear weapons or that the planet only has a certain number of years worth of resources left. Whatever it that might be. And obviously when we hear that from our child, it's heartbreaking. We see the fear in their eyes and all we want to do is be able to take that fear and make it go away. The last thing we want is for them to be in that pain and in that fear. So we might say to them, oh, you mustn't worry at all. Nothing bad's going to happen. You're worrying too much. Don't be silly. You don't need to worry. And by doing so, we dismiss their anxieties because we want to keep them safe. We want to protect them. We don't want them to go to those dark places. Now, I understand why we do that. But by doing that, the danger is our child feels that their anxieties and their worries are not understood, that their worries are not acknowledged. And what that will potentially mean is that our child just won't come back and talk to us when they feel more fearful or more worried because they believe that there isn't any point. We just don't get it. Instead, what we need to be doing is meeting them where they're at and acknowledging how scary it feels for them. By saying something along the lines of, I understand it feels really scary. The idea that there could be a war or a storm that might damage our home or a change in our climate which affects how we live is something that feels really scary. And it's something that you that makes you worried. The world feels really scary and unsafe right now. It's this kind of language that we want to be using instead. Whatever it is that your child is feeling... Meet them there and at that emotion. Meet them at that dark place that they've taken themselves to. And by doing so, you acknowledge their fears and they feel heard. So just a quick recap before we move into the actual five strategies. So we've talked about the context that our children are living in a digital era, that if we don't have conversations with them, that they will only search for things themselves. And by searching, they may not necessarily get the evidence-based truths. I've reminded you to be mindful of three things. I've asked you to be mindful of ignoring the situation or assuming that just because your child hasn't mentioned it to you that they're not worried. And I've also asked you to be mindful of the fact that children pick up on other people's concerns, whether that's yours, whether that's their friends, their teachers or people, significant adults or peers. And that that is a really important aspect that we need to be mindful of. And also when we're thinking about the fact that that children pick up on other people's concerns, it's if we have our own concerns and our own anxieties, we need to check in with ourselves about what might we need to do to manage our own anxieties and our own fears. Maybe we're becoming slightly obsessive with watching the news. Maybe we're constantly checking our news feed on our mobile phones or checking things that way. So it's being aware of how that might also impact our children. And then being mindful that in the process of trying to reassure our children, we might be dismissing their concerns. And that will then mean that our children are likely to close in and not come back to us. So we've got the context. We know the things that we need to be mindful of and to be avoiding. What are the things that we should be actually doing? What are those things? 
and I have five. These are my five key things that we should be doing. The first is to fact check. So focus on what you know for sure and don't try to minimise your child's anxieties with your own speculation, such as that could never happen. Instead, use language such as what we know for sure, for example, is that world leaders would think very carefully before starting a war or scientists will be doing all that they can they can to understand what might be happening with the world in terms of climate change. You know, it's these sorts of things and we can keep ourselves safer from storms by staying home. For example, if that is genuinely the fact check at the time, what we want to do is reframe what we know for sure and avoid the sticky ground, which we don't know. And the reality is, if we're thinking about it from the perspective of what's happening in Ukraine, is that we do not know for sure that other countries may not get involved, that this could spread further and that other countries are then also involved. So don't go into that sticky place where you're on shaky ground, which you don't know, but stick to what you do know. So what we do know is that countries don't enter into wars without some some consideration about the consequences of that. So it's thinking that through so that our communication style is appropriate. If your child says something which seems plausible, scary, but plausible, acknowledge their feelings. Ask them where they got that information from and agree to do some probing from some more reliable sources. So again, going back to the situation specifically because it's quite topical, but it will be the same for other things. But for example, in the situation in Ukraine with Russia, if they have put a plausible but scary comment around nuclear weapons, ask them where they got that information from. Then it's about doing some probing to get reliable sources. Our children have so much access to technology and to information. And it's about making sure that the information that they're getting is reliable and that we can have proper conversations with them about how reliable is that source where does this information come from and again we can stick to the facts what we know for sure and we can acknowledge and reassure on the sticky ground of the things that we don't know but may well be plausible and the things that we know for sure will not happen because they've read something um, for example that might be quite outrageous in terms of it's taken something to an nth degree so it might be around climate control it might be around climate control and it might be very specific to information that might say that I don't know homes are going to suddenly start exploding because of temperatures we can fact check that we can be really clear that that isn't going to happen on the basis of the combustible nature of homes for example so there are some things that our children are going to come to us that we can be absolutely sure is not going to happen. But where it is plausible, even if it's scary, but it is plausible, we need to have those conversations around probing and then looking at where this information is coming from so we can address it. We need to be honest with our children because if we don't have that, then our children are going to get that information from somewhere else. So the first thing we do is fact check. The second thing is really very much related but goes beyond this as well, is we need to be honest. We need to be honest when we don't know. We need to be honest when we're also feeling anxious. We need to be honest about our own feelings. We need to be honest about some of the source of information. And we also need to be honest with ourselves 
about how we're managing a situation. We've talked about areas that we need to be mindful of with our children, about being mindful that our children can pick up on other people's concerns. So we need to be honest with ourselves as to whether some of the anxieties that our children are exhibiting and that are showing are actually coming from us, from the way that we're managing the situation. Maybe we're not managing a situation particularly well. Maybe a world event has triggered something for us. Maybe it's brought back something from our own childhood. Maybe there's been a storm and we've got memories of something happening to a close relative, someone that we loved in a previous storm. Maybe there is some triggering in terms of a riot. Maybe that the subject matter is something that feels very personal. We must be honest about what we tell our children, but also what we're telling ourselves and how these world events are also affecting us. So the first thing we need to do is fact check. The second thing we need to do is about being honest with our children, but also being honest with ourselves. The third thing is we need to acknowledge their fears. It is so important that we meet our children where they are at, because that is how they are experiencing that particular situation. So we need to make sure that we are mindful to that, that we have a conversation with them about that, that we verbalise and acknowledge. I can see that this feels really scary to you and it is scary not not knowing the idea that this might happen or that might happen. We need to make sure that we are having those honest conversations with our children and acknowledging those fears because if we don't acknowledge those fears then they won't come back to us and this is where they then seek information elsewhere. The fourth thing, and these are some of the important practical things that we then can start doing with our children, is we need to talk about techniques to help them manage the fear and the anxiety. So for those of you who've listened to my podcast previously on anxiety, and if you haven't, go back to that because there's some really great techniques and real practical applications in terms of how to help support children with practical tools. But it's also a really practical explanation of what is anxiety so that we can understand how is this manifesting itself for our children so we need to start having conversations with our children about strategies and techniques that they can use and employ when the fear and the anxiety gets too much when they feel overwhelmed so it may be about practical distracting things it may be about doing some coloring it might be jumping on a trampoline it might be playing a game it may be building some lego or it may be that those things can be used in conjunction with some very specific techniques in terms of breathing techniques so again i would suggest that you go back to my previous podcast episodes around anxiety and confidence so strategies and breathing techniques such as take 10 such as the 711 or square breathing ways that we can help our children's anxiety and their fight or flight instinct which gets triggered when they are feeling anxious and worried because they are basically their body's trying to protect them it's keeping them away from that fear and getting them ready to run away or fight the enemy so it's helping them with that and helping them practice the techniques. And what's really important with these, particularly with breathing techniques, is that you do them with them. Do them together. 
show your child how they can use these strategies and how it's calming for them as well as yourself so talk about different techniques talk to them about what might be their toolkit at those moments where they're feeling overwhelmed and talking about it to you might be one strategy but they need more than simply talking to you because there'll be periods of time maybe they're at school where they feel anxious and so we want them to be able to use techniques which help themselves so that's one of the tips number four And then the fifth one is about helping our children create some perspective. Now, when we're caught in overwhelm or fear or anxiety or worry, our attention tends to focus on that. We are primed and we are tuned in to those particular fears and those anxieties and those worries. So we tend to pick up on other situations which are also fearful. So What can then happen is is one aspect of a child's world, whether that's climate change, whether that there's an anxiety around a fear of a storm or other things that might be happening. In perspective, that is one bit. So what we're trying to do is we're not trying to minimise it. We're not trying to go from that's a negative thing and these are all the positives and you should be grateful. You should be thinking about all the wonderful things that are happening in your life. That's not the right approach because that's dismissive of their fears. We want to acknowledge those fears. But what we then want to do is we want to help our children gain some form of perspective about how this particular worry sits across a multitude of other aspects of their life. Because it goes back to this, you know, we have this cognitive bias that tends to want to pick up on all of the information in our environment, which supports what's going on at the time. And if we're in this space of fear and worry, we're going to pick up more fear and worry. So we want to help our children reframe it and place it within perspective. Now, one of the techniques that I love to use, and it's quite fun to do, is with you will need a balloon. And you will also need a permanent marker. Now, I may well have used this strategy and talked to you about this strategy before as part of our anxiety podcast episode. But this is also really helpful in this particular situation. So let me just talk you through how you might apply it to a situation where you're having conversations with children about scary world events and you're trying to help them gain perspective. So the the notion is that when we get concerned about something or worried, it's like a balloon. We give it air. And the more we think about it, the more air it gets. And it's like a balloon. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually it would burst. So this is the kind of the analogy. This is the context that we want to explain to our children. And then what we want to do is we want to get a balloon. And obviously we want to reassure our child that we're going to be blowing the balloon up, but we are not going to make it pop. So we blow up the balloon. But again, as we're blowing it up, we're giving them that notion, that that context of, you know, when we're worrying about whatever it is, the world event that your child is worrying about, we're giving it air. It gets bigger and bigger in our mind and our attention goes to it. So it gets bigger and bigger. And the idea is you want to blow up the balloon to a reasonable size. You do not want to blow it up so that it has any danger of popping, but you don't want to blow it up just a small amount. It needs to have a reasonable amount of air in it. And obviously that will vary on the type of balloon that you have. So some balloons can only go up can only get a certain size and others don't so you get it to a certain size and then what you will do is you will give a permanent marker to your child and you will ask them to draw and to either draw or to write some of the concerns that they have or the feelings or to sketch squiggles when they think about this world event 
the scary thing that they are preoccupied with, what are some of the things that come into their mind about that? So we want them to first of all draw either some words or some imagery, or it even might be an emoji, it might be some squiggly lines, whatever it is, what are the feelings that this particular event evokes in them? And then what we want them to do is to consider some of the things that make them happy, some of the things that they enjoy, some of the things that make them laugh, smile or make them happy or content, things that they enjoy doing. So the idea is we're getting some of the big things that they're worried about on this balloon, but we're also getting some of the things which they enjoy, which they love, which brings them happiness and contentment. What you then do is you say to your child, well, what might happen if we let go, if we take the air out of all of these scary things that we've been worried about? And then you let go and it whizzes around and it makes some farty sounds and it's quite hilarious and it's brilliant and your child might even giggle. And what you then want to do is you want to pick up the balloon and show it to your child. And the key thing is that what basically happens is when we take the air out of a situation which feels really scary, we get some perspective because what was drawn and written on a balloon that was huge then becomes absolutely tiny by perspective. So what the balloon will do is give our children two sets of perspective. It will give them perspective on what they drew that was big and scary has suddenly become tiny. And trust me, it looks incredible. Even handwriting or little drawings look amazing. But what they'll also see is in the context of the whole balloon, the worries that they had are still smaller compared to all of the happy things that they are also experiencing in in their day-to-day as well now just a bit of a health warning with this one because obviously this only works with a permanent marker do not try and use another pen it doesn't work i have tried permanent markers are the only ones that work what will happen obviously is when you've been drawing when it's been a big balloon and then it becomes smaller as the ink just sort of sits on the surface so you'll end up with very sticky or not sticky but very messy ink hands and fingers but it is so worth it in terms of the perspective that it gives the child so you might want to sort of handle the balloon from the end but what's important we also need to remember for our children is that we're not trying to diminish their experience we're not trying to take away how it makes them feel but what we are trying to get them to see is that when we take the air out of it it's not that the worries or the scariness goes away of course it doesn't go away it's still there but we're able to place it within the context of wider things that are going on in our lives and we're able to create a bit of perspective with it. That is one way to create perspective. The other way to create perspective is around a daily practice of gratitude. Now, I've talked about this before in previous podcast episodes. My personal view is that children over the age of 11 are better able to understand the concept of what gratitude is. It's the small things that happen in our lives which make things worthwhile, which bring that smile to our face. It's the teacher that gives us a smile as we walk into a classroom and congratulates us on a piece of good work. It's the sunshine um, or at least the absence of rain when we have a games lesson it's someone holding the door when we've got a whole lot of bags that we're trying to carry it's our favorite lunch or pudding just when we're feeling a little bit low it's the small things that make a big impact it's somebody telling us that we're a great person or that we look lovely or that we're a great friend that's gratitude so children over the age of 11 generally get the concept of gratitude Children under the age of 11 usually find it a little bit more difficult. So I tend to use a different language of that one. And I talk about writing down things which made them happy, smile or laugh. 
but in essence, a daily practice of gratitude in whichever context language you use is a really powerful way of helping children gain perspective, but it has to be written down. Verbalising gratitude helps, but it doesn't significantly change things. It's the process of writing down. And I'm a big one for using notebooks. So use a notebook to encourage your children to write this down. We have a Dr. Mary Han notebook of gratitude, which you can also buy on Amazon. It's just a very, very simple notebook. So you can simply, if you're, if you're interested in buying one, then you just simply go into Amazon and just Google Dr. and just enter Dr. Mary Han in the search and you'll see all the notepads that we have. But any notepad will do. But it is the process of writing things down. And I'm a big fan of this being done at the closing end of the day. So it's the it's the last thing our children do before they go to bed is this sort of practice of gratitude, this reframing of their days, focusing in on that aspect of the day as they draw it to a close. So my five don'ts just to recap are, my five do's, sorry, to recap are fact check. Yeah, focus on what we know for sure. Stay away from the sticky ground that we don't know. And where our children come up with something that is scary but plausible, acknowledge their feelings, ask them where they got the information from and agree to do some probing from reliable sources together. The second is be honest with your children, but also be honest with yourself about how it is affecting you. And if you are finding it difficult, if your child is picking up on your concerns and your anxieties, your overzealousness with the news, then focus on what you need to do to reset that. The third thing is acknowledge their fears. Meet them where they're at. Don't dismiss them. The fourth is about talk about their toolkit. Help them find techniques and strategies to place in their toolkit to help them manage their fear, whether that's a breathing technique, whether that's a physical activity, whether that's colouring, whatever it might be, help them build their own toolkit so they've got a number of strategies to draw on whenever the fear hits them, whether they're with you or whether they're preoccupied at school or with friends. And the fifth one is help them create some perspective, whether that's using my balloon strategy, a gratitude strategy or a combination of the two. It's helping them see that this is one aspect that they are cognitively primed for, that they're being slightly slightly hypervigilant meerkat looking for more evidence to be fearful, but that we want to place that within a wider context. So my give this week is my usual checklist with these five key things that we should be doing, but we're going to give you some space to reflect underneath as we've done on previous episodes. So it will serve not only as a reminder, but also a tool to practically use. So as usual, head over to my free resource library, drmaryhand.com forward slash library, where you'll find the link to download the resource. All you need to do is pop in your email address and you'll get instant access not only to this week's resource, but all the other free resources across all my podcast episodes. As ever, if you have enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could follow and review this podcast so that others can find us and we could spread the love. It's such an important topic, this particular episode and so many of the sub- the topics that we talk about. I get so many wonderful emails assuring me of how 
useful you find my approach in terms of how we approach things with children so I would love it if you could just take a few moments to leave a review because it does have such a big impact on other people being shown the podcast as a potential thing that they can listen to that might be helpful and it's how we spread the love so I would really appreciate it if you do that and particularly because of the subject matter that we've talked about so until next time (music) 